works for me. We've had nearly 400 just on the trail in parts at time. It takes a lot of us. Thank you, you guys can be seated. John chapter 15, as all of God's word is an incredible word, John chapter 15 is one of those incredible books because every word in it is spoken by the Son of God himself. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, the Lord is teaching, and in the entire chapter, every word is written in red because every word is spoken by Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And in that chapter, he deals with two subjects, love and hate. All throughout that chapter, he teaches on it. And two weeks ago, we looked at a message on unconditional love. This morning, John chapter 15, verse number 9. For those of you who want to stand, you're welcome to stand. Beginning in verse number 9 of John 15. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Look down at verse number 17, if you would. Jesus said, these things I command you, that you love one another. Ten times here in this chapter, Jesus uses the form of the word love. But eight times in this same chapter, he uses the form of the word hate. In the very next verse, Verse 18, he uses the form of hate three times. He says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I, had come and, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they, they had not sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sin. Jesus said, I came to show them that they might know their sin. Therefore, now they're without excuse. And he says, he that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done the works which none other man did, they had not sinned, but now they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, That the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. I preached several messages on love, unconditional love a couple weeks ago. We've looked at the inescapable love of God and what kind of love of the Father and how to love people. We've looked at a lot of things. But to my knowledge, I have never preached a message on this topic. To my knowledge, I've never heard a message preached on hate. But I want to look this morning at what kind of hate. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your sweet presence here in this place, God. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you would come and dwell among us. Thank you, Father, that you would inhabit here in the praises of your people. Thank you, God, for grace and mercy and love and compassion and loving us in spite of us, God. And thank you for an instilling a love in us, God. I pray now as you teach us this morning, I pray most of all, God, may you be pleased with everything that we do. We love you so much, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So what, what kind of hate is it that drives men to do the things that they do? 
What, what kind of hate could it have been that, that drove a, a multitude of people to crucify the Son of God? What, what kind of hate is it that, that causes somebody, as the Scripture says there, to hate someone without a cause? What kind of hate is it that drives people out there in the world that really, in all honesty, probably don't even know you very well, but they hate you because you're a Christian? What kind of hate is that? Can I answer that question? It's the kind of hate we were born with. It's the kind of hate that, that comes natural in the sins of the flesh. It's a hatred like no other because it comes from the devil. We're born with it instilled. It's a hatred that led people to crucify the Son of the living God. It is a hatred that led people to, to martyr the apostles, to burn Christians at the stake, to literally in the streets of Rome put Christians up on, on pedestals and light them on fire, to light the streets at night, to burn them for no other reason than the fact that they proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. Hate's nothing new. We see hate all the way back in Genesis chapter 4 when Cain killed his brother Abel. He hated him over jealousy. Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, Esau hated his brother because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of the morning of my father at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. What kind of hate is it that would lead you to kill your own brother over some stuff? And that's what it's all about. But there's another level of hatred John chapter 6, beginning in verse number 14, Herod has heard about Jesus. And he's heard about the miracles, and Herod had his mind made up. Mm-mm. John the Baptist done got up out of the dead. Verse number 14 of Mark chapter 6. I said John, didn't I? <coughs> well, that's a good chapter. You read that, but we're going to be in Mark. Chapter 6, verse 14, Herod heard of him, for, for his name was spread abroad, talking about Jesus. And he said, John the Baptist risen from the dead, and therefore the mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And others said, oh, it's Elias. And others said, it's the prophet, or, or it's one of the prophets. But when Herod heard that, he's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no, mm-mm. It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. John had said unto Herod, it's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had quarreled against him, would have killed him, but she could not. Verse number 20, Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy and observed him. And, and when he heard him, he did many things and he heard him gladly. When it was a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, sheep estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and, and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it to thee. He swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it to thee until the half of my kingdom. She went forth and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. She came in straightway with haste to the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charge of the head of John the Baptist. The king was exceeding sorry yet for his oath's sake and for the sakes of them which sat with him. He would not reject her and immediately sent, and the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. He went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel and the damsel gave it to her mother. All John 
stated was the facts. John said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. He didn't come up with that on his own. All he did was stated the word of God. It's in, it's in the book of Leviticus, in the Levitical law, in chapter 18. All he did was stated the truth. All he did was stated the Bible. Can I go ahead and tell you, just because you state the truth, mm-mm, just because you can show it and say, hey, it's written in the Bible, people aren't going to say, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. I did not realize that that was a sin because the Bible said it was. I, I, I didn't realize that. See, just, just because it's true, just because it's Bible, don't mean people are going to all of a sudden get on the, oh, I messed up line, right? See, Jesus said, the world will hate you because they hated me first. Jesus said, they haven't refused you. They refused me. You're just my messenger. I sent you. You're not the one they're refusing. It's me that, that they're refusing. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you for doing good. They're going to hate you for preaching truth. They're going to hate you for standing on the truth of the word of the living God and not giving in to social acceptance. They're going to hate you for not giving in to political correctness, to peer pressures, to worldly ideology, to not just saying, hey, if that's the way you want to do, it's okay with me. It ain't got nothing to do with what's okay with you. It's what's okay in this book. And they're going to hate you for standing on this book because this book stands against sin. And this world loves its sin. Sin has its pleasures for a season. But what we know is at the end of the season, they're going to die and go to hell if we don't tell them the truth, whether they want to hear it or not. And you're going to do everything you can to try to tell them the truth because you want to see them saved, and they're going to hate us for it. That's what Jesus is talking about. You know, I thought I understood hate. The word hate is to have a great dislike or to have a great aversion to. I thought I understood that. But I don't understand that kind of hate. If somebody gave you one wish and you can have anything you want up to half of the wealth of all of America and everybody in it, you can have everything you want up to half of the wealth of the world and half of the power of the world. It would take me a minute to figure out what I wanted to wish for. And I'm pretty certain it wouldn't be revenge against one person. I got a little higher standards than that. She could have had anything she wanted, but yet her hate is so strong that she could have had anything she wanted. And all she wanted was the head of one man cut off because he stated the word of God that you're living in adultery if you leave that man and marry that man while he's still alive. You cannot have your brother's wife. It is a sin. I want him killed for that. I can have anything I want. And, and that's all she wanted. What kind of hate is it that the world has? kind of hate that we're born with and this is the kind of hate that will rule in our lives if we don't allow Christ to rule in our lives 
It is the kind of hate that will rise up if we do not allow the Lord Jesus Christ to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and lead God and direct our lives. See, the world understands hate. The world understands love. As long as it's loving somebody that loves them back. But they'll never understand somebody that loves them anyway. They'll, they'll never understand somebody that loves them no matter how much they do to provoke them. They'll never understand a love that lays awake at night and prays for them. That God would somehow use me, use us to reach them. They'll never understand a love that keeps you awake just to pray on their behalf. To God, give us some kind of way to reach them with the gospel. That they don't go into hell. Give, give, give them one more chance. They'll never understand a, a love that's willing to spend time and money to put together a ministry, to go out and spend all day on Saturday to just go let them know I love you right where you are. I love you right where you are. I just want you to know we love you. I just want to try to make a difference. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate is a very natural emotion. But then so is love. We didn't have to learn how to do either one. They came packaged inside of us. But only one of them leads to happiness. Oh, I need to say that again. Love and hate came packaged. We have both of them inside of us from birth, but only one of them can lead to happiness. Jesus said, if we abide in his love and we keep his commandments and love others, that his joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It's very easy to love someone that you love. It's very easy to hate someone that you hate. Where the challenge is, is to love someone that the flesh wants to hate. Oh, we got all, you know, all up in on Sunday morning now. Maybe it's somebody that did you wrong. Some kind of way forming it. Maybe it's somebody that they just hate you. Maybe you had some bitterness. Maybe it's for you. No, you've never done anything to them. They just hate you. They, they ain't bashful about it either. You hear it all over town. They don't mind talking about you. They don't mind tearing you down. They don't mind slandering rumors and throwing garbage out. You know, it's very easy to hate them back. But that's not Christian. Because it's not Christ. Benjamin Franklin said, love your enemies for they tell you your faults. <laughs> yeah, they don't mind pointing that out. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hope they got some time, because I got a lot of them. Abraham Lincoln gives some great advice. Abraham Lincoln says, the best way to destroy an enemy is to make him a friend. That's awesome advice, isn't it? How do you do that? I mean, I love the advice, but... Martin Luther King Jr. again, he gives us this one. Here, here's how to do what Abraham Lincoln said. 
Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is a natural emotion. Anybody can do it. We're born with it inside of us. We don't have to learn how to love. We just love. Hate is a very natural emotion. Anyone can do it. We don't have to learn how. We're born with it inside of us. We just hate. So, so who we love and who we hate is, is very natural in the flesh. We love those that love us and, and we hate those that hate us. Where, where, where the challenge comes in is to try to love the one that hates us. If we're in Christ, not in the flesh, but in Christ, Jesus said, love thy neighbor. He didn't say, love the one that loves you. He said, even the publicans do that. Opening chapter, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, I send you love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. He maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them that love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? If you salute your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You know, two weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, looking at the subject of love and that, that word charity that we used. And, and the Apostle Paul talked about prophecies will fail. Tongues will fail. Faith will fail. All of those things will serve their purpose in a period of time. And when they have served their purpose, they will come to an end. But love will never fail. Neither will hate. Those are two entities, two things within us that will never Come to an end. God is love. In those who abide in Christ, God will abide in him. Therefore, love abides in him. Anyone who is not abiding in Christ is abiding in Satan. He's abiding in the devil. The devil's not only a liar. The devil's not only a cheater. The devil's not only the accuser of, of, of all that is good. The devil hates God. The devil hates you. The minute your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, the moment that your, that your seal was placed upon your forehead and you became a child of the king, the devil hated you. That hate will never go away. So love and hate is the two things that, that will never go out. Therefore, our character is marked by who we follow. We're either marked by a character of love or we're marked by a character of hatred or bitterness. We, we are marked by who we follow. If hate is a natural emotion that rises up in us often, we really need to check on our salvation. We, we really need to check and see on who it is that, that is guiding us. Hate is not driven by God, nor is it approved by God. If you want happiness, you're not going to find it in hatred. There, there's a love and a peace and a joy that is beyond understanding when you pray for those who persecute you. There's an inner happiness that rises up inside that this world will never know anything about when you love those who hate you. There's a joy 
can never be taken away. When we allow love to rule in our hearts, not just for the ones that love us, but love without conditions. Who could know more about forgiving an enemy, loving someone that wronged you and your people in every imaginable way than Corey Ten Boom? Jews, Nazi concentration camps murdered by the tens of thousands at a time. Hundreds of thousands, bodies piled up, pushed into ditches with dozers, starved to death, brutally beaten, gas chambered, murdered, killed just because Nazi Germany didn't like the Jew. And this is what she said. You never so touch the ocean of God's love as when you forgive and love your enemies. Really? Really? You know who she's talking about loving? Anybody ever go to school? Anybody ever studied the World War? Nazi concentration camps? Anybody ever seen any of the old movies? Anybody know what she's talking about? Anybody know who she's talking about loving? And who she's talking about forgiving? And she said, you can't. She, she calls it the ocean of God's love. And you can't even touch the ocean of God's love until you've learned to forgive and to love your enemies. You know, loving others really isn't that complicated because love is an emotion that we're born with. But fasten your seatbelt. Loving your enemy really isn't that hard either. I didn't hear nothing out of the house, so that either shell-shocked somebody or y'all think I took some more medication or y'all are sound asleep. Even loving our enemies isn't that hard to do. Do you know what's hard to do? Complete surrender. If we surrender the throne of our life to God, he will love others through us, and you can't stop it. The problem is not trying to love other people. The problem is trying to give up the throne of the heart. I still want to manage some things. I'll, I'll let you in on it if I need any help. I'm driving this ship. The water gets a little bit rough. I'll ask you to calm the water. I got things under control, God. If you just stay along here, but just... I don't want to surrender everything. I'm comfortable being mad at who I'm being mad at. I got a right to be mad at that jack leg anyway. Were you not there when they did that to me? Did you not hear what they said? I have a right, God. See, see, it's not hard to love the enemy if we're surrendered. The hard part is to actually surrender everything to God. And allow God to lead our lives. Two weeks ago, I, I talked about, we looked at that word agape, charity, love. Paul used it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Theologians defined it as the love of God operating in the human heart. I found a quote, says author unknown. It's a worldly quote, but to be honest, it involves an awful lot of Christians. Go ahead and write it in front of your Bible. You can hang on to this one and say, I heard a quote one time. I'm going to use this one. Love your enemy, but keep your gun old. See, that, that, that's, that's the human perspective. 
And, and a lot of Christians love to, to, to hang on to that one. See, that, that's the world's idea of loving the enemy, but that, that's, that's not God's plan. I, I said two weeks ago, God's plan was displayed at Calvary. God's love was displayed at Calvary. It's very easy to hate them back, but it's not Christian because it's not Christ. Y'all remember two weeks ago, I talked about God set the bar high? Jesus set the bar high when he hung on the cross of the ones that spit on him and cursed him and drove down and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Remember what I said about setting the bar high? Jesus set the bar high when while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He set the bar high, but not so high that he can't lift us up to it. Oh, there's a lot of bars that's too high for us to reach on our own. But there's no bar too high to reach for the surrendered heart. There's nothing so high that, that, that Jesus can't lift us up there to it. Romans chapter 13, verse 10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I, I want to read something to you that is a topic of debate in the staff meeting. I mentioned that Dale read this to us a few weeks ago, and Dale looked crazy. He said he thought I read it to him. I'm pretty sure I didn't because I don't think I'd ever heard it before. So I, I don't know. All I know is somehow this came up in a staff meeting, and I went home and looked it up. It said it was a poem that appeared at the end of a movie about an actress and inventor named Hedy Lamar. The poem was written by Kent M. Keith and Miss Lamar, like reading it to her children. But it says people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Anybody get that one? <coughs> Succeed anyway. The good that you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but they follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People, people really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. Give the world your best, and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world your best anyway. Now, I found it also as a quote from Mother Teresa, so I don't know if they copied her or if she copied them, but I do know she worded it a little bit different. She said a couple things like, if you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. But then she says this. Here she says this. In the final analysis, are you ready? It's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. It all comes down to this relationship, not this relationship. No horizontal relationships are good until the vertical one is on time. It all comes down to between us and God. It never was between us and them. That was just a friction the devil put in there. If this relationship is 100% correct, this relationship can't be moved. We live in a world full of hate 
full of anger, full of bitterness. But we're no longer in this world. We're no longer of this world, I should say. The saying is we're still in this world, but we're not of this world. We're of Christ. If we truly are Christians, then that kind of hate can't, can't rise up. And Jesus says, this world will hate you. Love them anyway. That's what Jesus did for us, right? I, I was trying to think of an illustration of how to prove that love is stronger than hate. And I have one that's not very good. Band, you guys come on up. Y'all call me, you ready? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure this is the best illustration because I think everybody's probably terrified of the thought of a house fire, but I, don't, I couldn't come up with any other way to say it. <laughs> if you come around the curb and you're fishing turning your driveway and you see some smoke and you realize there's a little fire coming out of the roof of your home and you see the cars in the front yard and you know your family's in that house, what are you going to do? Man, you're on 911 screaming, I need a fire truck, I need a fire truck, but you're running in the door. Hey, 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 get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out of the house, get out. You're trying to get everybody in there. You know why? Because you love what's in there. You got a lot of stuff in there that you love. You got a lot of memories, a lot of cherishable things. You love that stuff, but you don't love none of it like your family. Get out. You're going to run in there to save your family because you love your family. But what if you're riding down the road, you come around a curve, and you see a house, same scenario, smoke, a little fire coming out, a lot of cars in the front yard. You have no idea who lives there. You going to drive on by? Absolutely not. You're on 911. Hey, hey, I don't know the address. I don't know that. I just tracked my phone. Hey, anybody in there? Hey, hey, hey. You're going to do everything you can. You don't know who's in there. You know why it matters? Because love is stronger than hate. And you don't have to know. You just know somebody's in there that's going to perish in a fire if you don't help. Well, what about hell? You see people that are going to perish in the fire if you don't help. But let me add, let me add one more. You come around the curb. You're on the road that your mortal enemy lives on. That joker did you more harm. Y'all been enemies for years. You hate him, got every right to hate him. You can't find something to pray for him. Matter of fact, you hate going down that road because every time you do, you look at that stinking joker's house and it just puts you in a bad mood just to ride by it. And you ride around the curb and you look and there's that little smoke. And there's that little fire coming out of the roof. And you see all the cars in the front yard. And you ride on by laughing. <laughs> Serves you right, you sucker. Hope you and your children, everybody in there burning that fire. No, you don't. No, you don't. All of a sudden, all hate goes away. Love rises to the top. Hey! Hey! Anybody in there, get out! Get out! You're going to do everything you can. To, hey, when you came around the curve, you hated them. Now you're beaten doing everything you can to save their life. You know why? Because love is stronger than hate. Mercy is stronger than revenge. Grace is greater than evil. Here's what happened. 
in a moment of a crucial situation, love and mercy and grace rose to the top like the cream in you. And you jumped into action to help somebody that you thought you hated, but you learned you didn't hate them that bad. What if you let that emotion drive you before the fire? What if we let that mentality drive us to love and care for people and try to do everything you can to help them without setting their house on fire? Just do everything. What if we let that emotion drive us 365 days a year? See, you can't say that kind of love in them because you know you would run in there and help them. You know you'd do everything you could to help save that family. So you really don't hate them that bad, do you? You know what hate is? Even a little dislike towards someone, do you know what it is? It is the devil's foothold in your life that you are not willing to give up. It is the devil's stranglehold on you that you are not willing to give to God and let him take it out of your life. That's what hate is. Hate has no place in a Christian's life. Bitterness, discord among the brethren, backbiting, backstabbing, gossiping, devil's stronghold. On a Christian's life. I wonder. I wonder what it would be like. If we surrendered the seat. God. I never belonged on that throne. And I'm not on it anymore. There's the throne of my life. Help me love them anyway. Teach me to be what you created me to be, what you want me to be. Can, can, I, can I just, even to do something like Judgment Journey, you've got to have a love and a passion for people. The fact that people are dying and going to hell has got to matter to us, to be willing to put in that kind of work and that kind of money to make a difference. We've got to love them where they are and love them anyway, regardless of what they say. You know what's amazing to me? How many of you remember for several years after we started Judgment Journey, all of the stones that were cast at us. Y'all remember that? They just trying to make money. That's all they're after. They just over making a lot of noise, keeping the neighborhood away. That's all that matters. Church just kept loving people anyway. Well, they just out there just trying to make all that money. I mean, good night. Look at all them people. They don't tell how much they made. Well, I tell you how much they made. It's red. Did we make $170,000, $90,000 sometimes? Yeah. Didn't cover the cost. Last year we did it. We took, we took in $141,000 on ticket sales. We spent $200,000. This time will cost a whole lot more than that, and we'll take in less. Do we love them enough to make a difference? God made it clear to me we weren't ready to do judgment journey. We haven't changed that. We haven't changed that. 
until we surrender everything and allow God on the throne of our lives to drive us beyond any manner of hate that we're willing to put everything on the line to be used by him we're not going to get there I want to ask you to stand if you would pray if you want to pray do what you want to do but I want to see God change us I want us to be a usable vessel in the hand of God cleansed of all sin and all bitterness and all hatred I want to be a light in this community light is the only thing that drives out darkness I want to be love on this hill because love is the only thing that will drive hate out of this community Oh 
singing a song and y'all understand in that day I, I, I was a great Pharisee I'm, I'm still turning the corner on music but I was watching them sing and did a couple okay songs and then they got off into it and I've shared with you how the drummer was slinging his head and beating and I'm like what is that God I've been taught my whole life to stay away from that kind of garbage call that gospel music they call that Christian why would I go watch that why would I even listen to that I can't help what the words are look at that I was just about ready to change the channel and all of a sudden the man got up to preach I said okay God I'll give you a couple more minutes he started preaching and he preached a message to change the world and I sat there listening to her preaching an incredible message and I said God Okay, I'm looking. This stadium's packed. It's like a sports arena stadium and it's packed and it's a church. I'm like, why, why, why that music? Why, why that? Why, why did they have to put on the show to get them to come? And God says the same thing you're doing. What are you talking about? It's what you do with Judgment Journey. Well, judgment journeys work. I mean, we're, we're preaching the gospel and thousands are being saved. He said, what do you think they're doing? Think that was easy? You're just putting on a show. 
And I said, Judgment Journey can't just be a show. It's about the gospel. He said, then make your show no good and find out how many come. You want people to come and you want to preach a gospel, your show's got to be good. Make it count. So I'll be honest with you. We got visions to put on a show. It'll make Hollywood proud. I'm telling you, we got visions to put on a show. But I'm not looking for a great show. I'm looking for a spiritual awakening. But it's going to take the great show to get them here. So that the Holy Spirit, number one, can awaken some Christians that are in idle mode in this casual Christianity life. Number two, to reach in and touch some of the hardest hearts. To let them see the fires of hell and understand it's got their name written on it. But Jesus made a difference. Jesus made the way. I want to ask you guys to be seated for just a minute. Make reference to a text message. Brother, can I borrow your microphone? Lexi? I don't know what number it is, but I know Philip does. I just wanted to say thank you um, to church family. Tomorrow will be a week. But I told myself, standing in ICU, that I'm starting to plan a funeral for my father. If anybody's ever been through this, which I know there's normal, an enormous amount of people that have been. You know that you're never alone. There's nurses coming in. There's doctors. It's so fast. There was about three minutes of time that I had by my dad's side as these machines are breathing for him. And the only thing that I could do, I had no idea that he could hear me. Because I had already told myself that he's gone. We're just putting in air to this body. But all I could just tell him is, Daddy, no. Don't do this to me. He couldn't move. He couldn't blink. His face couldn't move. He was lifeless. And I've never been through something like this before. But not, I don't even know the timing, but the neurologist came in and shined a light in his eyes and was doing his assessment. And he said, Mr. Hart squeezed my hand. And he was proud of the strength that he had in his hand. And right there, I was just sitting there saying, God, why? Why why did I just go through all this emotions of telling myself that my dad's gone? And all it took was a light. That's all it took was a little bit of light and just talking to him. And so in that moment, I was sitting there and I knew 
that me just saying, Daddy, don't, don't leave me, was just enough for him to know that he was still here. After being on these machines for two and a half days, I was still thinking, okay, God, you've shown me that he's here, but what am I supposed to learn out of this? And my lesson was, don't take moments for granted. Because you never know they can be as healthy as they are today standing here, but there's no telling what can happen in moments. So I just want to thank every single one of you for the prayers, for the messages that went out. Um, If you don't know my dad, then there is hope that there will be a day that he will come back to church. But we have a long road ahead of us, and we don't know what that's going to bring. But from, from today, taking those moments one at a time and just enjoying those moments and not taking them for granted is the biggest thing that you can learn. Because until you've been in that position, I had no idea what that felt like until I was in that position. And now I, I don't even know how to explain it, but everybody that's been there can understand that feeling that you have of not understanding why and, and how to fix it, and you're helpless because you can't do anything about it. But God was there in that room when it was just me and him for those three minutes of time, and it could have been longer, I don't know, I just felt like that's how long it was. But just to feel that connection back gave me that hope for the next day and for the next day to be able to get to where now he is in a regular room off all machines, off all IVs. So thank you so much. And our family is forever grateful um, for all of the prayers, even the ones that I don't know you. You may have just, you know, said his name, but that's all that God needs to know is that his people are praying for the ones that need it. So thank you very much. I will tell you, Lexi, you didn't make your mind up on that yourself. You said that you had decided that there was nothing left there. You asked. They explained every machine that was there, and they were going over all the machines. And you looked at her, and you asked one question. Is he doing anything on his own? And she went, not one thing. Not one thing. 100% life support. 100%. 14 doctors and specialists and all came together on a meeting afterwards, and they have no explanation. They call him the miracle man. You know what he's complaining about this morning? Y'all still giving me this broth. I got to have something to eat. It's called but God. God, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you, God, that, Lord, for, for that open door policy into the throne room of grace, that there's never a time that we can't come into the throne room of grace and obtain mercy. Thank you, God, for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for hearing and answering prayers of sinners just like us. God, help us, Father, to be usable vessels. Help us to love our neighbor. Help us to love people, God. Lord, I pray you'd help us to surrender everything that you might make us usable vessels. We love you. You've been good to us, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. God's people said, 
Amen. God bless you men tonight.